Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Hey, good morning. Great job, yeah. Hey, welcome to the Vine. My, my name is John Adams, lead pastor here at the Vine. And uh, on behalf of our elders and our pastors and staff, we just want to say thank you for being here. And, uh, and uh, if you're here in person or online, thank you. Uh, you know, um, years ago, I had my father-in-law. His name was, uh, we called him Papa D or Dr. D, affectionately. And uh, he was always like coaching me and uh, up on just... Issues, and we were about ready to. Lizanne and I were buying our first home, and uh, he was giving me some counsel. He was he was a lot shorter than I was, and he looked me this this time very very seriously in the into the eye, and he said to me, John, Ad, and he actually didn't say John. He said Adams, and I knew he wanted my attention. He goes, Adams, you know, a house is just a teepee. <laughs> you know, a house is just a teepee. And that was his way of saying, in essence, that, look, don't substitute anything, including a house or anything else in your life, for the glory and the majesty of God ruling in your heart. You know, it's easy to say in our lives something like this, that my heart wants to be content in Jesus alone. <laughs> it's such a, it can be such a Christianese in so many ways, right? But yet... That's exactly what we need. We need to have more of Jesus and less of all the other things that compete for the attention of our hearts. And so today, maybe you've heard uh, something like this. It's Jesus plus something in our lives. And whenever we add something, that in, whatever's in that blank, if you will, Jesus plus maybe the right house or the no one bugging you, that would be true for me. Uh, or something like uh, someone really loving you well. Or um, getting affirmation from the right people. Or something else that you are really longing for in your life. What is it that is in that blank? Jesus plus something is what you really want. See, what are you relying on? Is it Jesus plus anything? I know that, um, you know, my, my father-in-law, Dr. D, I know he struggled with sin and he struggled at times with other things, but I saw in his life such peace and contentment that I wanted that. I wanted what that guy had and I knew that it was Jesus in him that was making the difference. And so today, we will see from God's word this, that real contentment is found in Jesus alone. And so uh, let's look at God's word together and to honor God's word and to worship our God. Will you stand together with me if you're here in person and let me read together God's holy, inerrant word. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You're in, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. 
In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Let us keep it and abide in your glorious name. Amen. You may be seated. In verse 11, here as we continue our series, Becoming Confident in Christ, out of the book of Philippians, we see that Paul talks about this idea of contentment. And and, and our definition of contentment today is this, possessing enough as your heart relies on Jesus alone. Let me say it again. Possessing enough as your heart relies on Jesus alone. He wants you to be filled with his contentment. And we know that it's found, contentment is really found, again, to say it one more time, in Jesus alone. And today from this passage, we're going to look at three characteristics of real contentment. And the first is this. Real contentment flourishes in any circumstance. Look at verse 10 with me again. Paul writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Just a couple of observations here. Remember that Paul is in, in prison for over two years in Rome, and he's writing to the Philippian church. And he was under house arrest. And, in, and the circumstances were this. He had to pay for his own house that he was under arrest. Imagine that, having to pray, pay for your own prison, right? But he, he was actually flourishing in this house in the gospel because People were coming. We know that from Scripture, even members from Caesar's household were coming and hearing the gospel. And he was having this amazing ministry and and guards who were chained to him were actually even coming to Christ. And so he wanted to remain in this house under arrest. But we see in Acts 28.30, he had lived there two years at his own expense and apparently he had run out of money, his own money. And now the Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, verse 25, tell us that they sent a financial gift to the Apostle Paul to help him fund his house and the guards that were protecting him there in in Rome. And And he received this gift from a man from Philippi, a Christian, a brother named Epaphroditus. And Paul greatly rejoiced. He said in verse 10, you know, you've revived your concern for me. I mean, you were always concerned for me, but now now there's a real need because before it, I was funding my own work. But now I really have this need and thank you because now the kingdom of God, I can keep preaching the gospel here under house arrest. Do you see how it's important to to understand the context of this passage? And here Paul is saying, He goes on in verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need. Look, he's saying, I'm good, as they say in the world. I am am doing well. And yet, uh, this gift that you're giving, this financial gift you're giving is actually for your benefit. 
Imagine that. That's, that sounds like real preacher talk, doesn't it? But it's true. For the Philippian church to be generous with their finances and giving this gift to the Apostle Paul was actually the gift to the Philippians to grow in generosity and thereby grow likely in contentment. And saying, Jesus, we are trusting you alone. You're enough. If we have you, we have everything. And so, verses 10 and 11, Paul was saying, again, your gift is good. I'm grateful for it. But quite apart from your gift, I've discovered a secret. A kind of strength that is so good, so constant, that it never runs out. And we'll see in a moment that that secret is Jesus. So real contentment, first of all, flourishes in any circumstance. But secondly, we see in this passage that real contentment is different from earthly mindsets. Look at verse 11 with me. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. The word content here is dealing with financial circumstances. And verses 10 through 13 Paul's talking about their stuff. And are they content with their finances? And as they give this gift, to rejoice that they get to give. And, and, and of course, contentment also applies to relationships, to marriage, to raising kids, to job contentment. All these things, certainly a content heart deals with it in a great way, of a Christ way, Christ-centered way. But Paul learned pursuing human contentment was worthless. You know, think about it. You know, when you have just a little bit, and Paul now had run out of money. Think of it. He had funded his ministry. He had emptied his bank accounts to fund his work to stay in this house, this house jail. And, and he was good. He had little money at this time, and yet he was satisfied. You know, when, you, when we have little money, little love, little health, little good circumstances, it's hard to be content. It's hard because we don't like it. But Paul's contentment was grounded in the riches of God's saving love that filled his heart. You see, it started from the inside and then impacted every corner of the way he saw life, whether he was, had little or he had a lot. This is a cool thing, how this principle works in Paul's heart. The, the word content here is, in, we see uh, in the Greek world, meant actually self-sufficient. So he's talking about a radical way of being content. Not self-sufficient, but actually God-sufficient, Jesus-sufficient. You see, they're thinking in the church and, and surrounding the the church there in Philippi, there in that area of Greece, had really been influenced by just the secular mindset. And they had probably three different mindsets. They thought this way. They thought either, first of all, suck it up. It was stoicism. The philosophy that you stuff your desires and you just keep working hard. Anyone here live that way? Just keep moving forward. Don't feel anything. Stay independent of all other things and people and just press on. 
in your own strength. Maybe you say it's Christ's strength, but you're really pressing on in your own. A second mindset that's, that's earthly-minded and, and, and not of, of Christ is give up. There were people who were stopping work in the church and who uh, were thinking, well, God's going to supply anyway. And so complacency had replaced contentment. And are you complacent in your life? I mean, in our culture today, that's happening. Christians and those who are outside of Christ are becoming just complacent and like just apathetic. And thirdly, be freed up was the third mindset. There was an earthly mindset. It, it said, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Could have been their motto. So spend your money and time pursuing what you desire. Get what you want and you will be filled with true happiness. But in verses 10 through 13, Paul says you can't find real contentment. Not as you rely on yourself, be self-sufficient, but only on God. It's not suck it up or be, give it up, give up or be freed up, but look up. Center your desires on Christ alone. Make him your chief delight. Cause, ask Jesus alone to satisfy your heart. You see, contentment is not obliterating your desires or obsessing on them. It's actually centering them on the right object of your desires. Jesus alone Verse 12, he says, he goes on and he says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. Here the word for learn the secret is actually where we get from being initiated in something. Like a, but it's not like being accepted into a club well, it is like a club, but it's not a club for insiders. You don't have to learn the secret handshake. <laughs> you don't have to have the right phrase or the word to get in. What you need, and I've said this before to you all, and it's what we all need. All you need is need. All you need is nothing. Are you ready to acknowledge your need for Jesus and him alone? <laughs> He alone can change our hearts and give us the real contentment that doesn't shift around based on our circumstances. So we are today going to, we've looked at point one and two. We're going to go to communion and then we're going to focus back on point three. But as we come to communion, we are repenting because contentment is found in Christ alone. And gang, I don't know about you, but I know about me. And because I know about me, I think I know about you. We all struggle with this. It's all so easy to have our desires thinking we can find happiness and satisfaction and hope in something other than our beautiful Jesus. And so that's why we come to this table of remembrance often. It is the table of the Lord, Jesus himself. On the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, 
This is my body. I give it to you. Do this in memory of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood given for forgiveness of your sins. Drink you all of it. And let's take a moment now and let's ask Jesus just a question um, that comes really from this text as we come, uh, as we've looked at the word of God, but Ask yourself for just a moment in private confession of sin. What are you struggling? Where are you struggling to be content? Where are you struggling to be content? Will you go before the Lord and ask him that? And then turn from it in silent confession of your sin. Let's pray together. Amen. If you look up at me and just look up at me, church, look at the, Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. And his love is so rich, so vast, so incomparable that he says to you, every one of you, not because of anything you have done, but by his grace and righteousness, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the riches of your grace. Satisfy our hearts with yourself. In Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And if you know Jesus and you've repented of your sins and confessed your testimony to an elder in this church or your own home church, you're welcome to this table. It is the table of the Lord. And he said that this, think about it, is my body broken for you. Take this together and eat. Remember me. In the same way, Jesus our Lord said, this is the cup 
of the new covenant of my blood given for the forgiveness of your sins. Take it, drink, remember me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh God, we're so grateful for your work. You alone can satisfy our hearts. Do it, Lord. Teach us to remain in you, to abide in you, to trust you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we've looked at two characteristics of contentment, but we come here in this passage to a third. And it is this, that real contentment comes as we rely on Jesus alone. And it impacts our actions. Look at verse 13 with me, will you? He's, Paul writes, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This verse is not meant to be a motto or like for an athletic team, right? This is something if you combine it with like John 15, 5, where Jesus says this. At the end of 15, 5, he's talking about how do you abide in, in God alone. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, years ago, I learned it this way is that, you know, in essence, as I think about my life, I can't on my own. or I can't do it, but he can. And I'm going to trust him to let him do it through me. Lord, empower me. I'm in union with you. And if I'm in union with you, I can do all things through your strength, not my own. This is the glory of the gospel. And, and all of us, we, we need to learn how do we grow in this kind of contentment that impacts our actions. You know, uh, remember Paul was in prison and, and we've talked about it and life was hard and he was trying to fund his own ministry. And he was so generous that he, he, he said, God, not only are you going to get my full-time life, everything I have is yours and he spent it for God. And he's like, I'm good. I'm, I'm satisfied because this is my calling. I'm not saying today he's called every one of you to spend every dollar and give it away. But he's called each one of us to be generous. To have hearts that are so satisfied in him that we have found that secret of being content. We know he has, he has paid for and given us the gift of a perfect union with himself. When you rely on Jesus alone, look, it, your contentment is going to grow. And this impacts your giving and your generosity in every area of your life, right? And, you know, we've been talking about generosity, not just in our serving. And we have these Mission 412 teams that are incredible. You know, like the Discover and Connect team and, and the First Impression team and for worship and children's ministry and youth that shows up every week here and does such a phenomenal job. But also, it's to impact our giving. And I want to call you like Paul is, this is your privilege and your joy to be a part of this. To say, how can we be generous and lavish in giving to the kingdom of God? And so we have been looking at, we had 
many of you joined us for a couple dinners called um, 15 Acres, All We Have for the Kingdom of God. And, and what, again, is that 15 acres using all we have for the kingdom of God? You remember, it's all about everything we have is entrusted to us, and we're to use it for his kingdom and glory. And also, that includes all of our finances. So we're in a faith journey over the next three years, and we're, we're, call, we're called, our elders have prayed about this. They believe that we are to use our acreage for others, and to invite others to come to know Jesus. And so over the next three years, we're seeking to raise $1.6 million. And, and do we want to raise the $1.6 million? Well, the answer is yes. We do want to raise it. But if your hearts don't grow in generous love for God and receiving his generous love and you are not becoming more generous in your life, then this was a failure. Raising money is, is really a, a byproduct of our hearts growing in a generosity before our all-sufficient Jesus. And so today, uh, is we, uh, we want to we focus and let you know that we have six initiatives in this 15 acres, all we have for the kingdom campaign. And the six initiatives are these. Foster home, which is really exciting. More about that in a video in a second. Sustainability via debt relief. Multi-use um, sports field. Mission partner impact. Community outreach and an amphitheater build out. And I know our pastors, I know our elders... I know our, our, and our spouses are excited that we want to be a part of this. And we're excited to, beyond our ordinary giving, to be a part of this in our lives. So um, we are calling you to, to be a part of it as well. And it's exciting that we get to be a part of it. We have booklets that we have made. Uh, they're really pretty good. <laughs> if you, you go out... Um, there's booklets on the table right here in the Discover Connect and Serve um, table right outside in the welcome area. would love to have you grab one of those and get more information. And uh, if you have any questions, you know, let one of us or our elders know. We'd love to ask, answer questions you may have. But on Sunday, November 21st, in two weeks, we're going to invite our congregation to make a, a, a three-year commitment. And and uh, let me just tell you, it's called a faith promise. Just a couple things. If you're not familiar with a faith promise, what it is. Uh, it's beyond, first of all, our normal giving. And uh, you should be stretched to trust Jesus more as you give and you make this promise. And this faith promise is a three-year commitment. Our faith is in God and his power and his work. Your elders are prayerfully and excitingly behind this. And we pray and ask that you will pray and ask the Lord what you should do and what you should give. And it's not about competing with whoever you think about in this church. It's not about you doing more. It's not about certainly feeling guilty. It's about you joining in in the joy of generosity. 
And that we could say, Lord, what is it you want? How do you want me to respond? If you pray that prayer and do that consistently, God will direct you. And he will give you and fill you with just encouragement and growing generosity to give and be a part of this. And so we're asking you to do this. And if you're not here the 21st, there'll be uh, other opportunities for you to respond. So we want to really encourage you to give all we have together for the kingdom of God because God's word instructs us to do so. As you grow in contentment, you can't help, we can't help together in growing and being generous with our stuff. Because real contentment is found in Jesus alone. He alone has rescued us by the power of his work. And he alone can satisfy your restless hearts with his peace and love as we've seen in chapter four earlier a few weeks ago. He gives us enough. He is enough to satisfy us with his unending supply as we'll see in a couple weeks at Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And so we want to take just a few moments to pray because this is, this is really the, I mean, this is the vital part of really this whole process is that we would learn to pray together. So um, there are three phrases we're going to pray through for just a few moments. They are these. I can't, he can, and I'm going to trust him to do it through me. So I'd, I'd like to invite you, you know, this is, might be a little uncomfortable for some of you, but I'm going to invite you to turn to someone if you're willing to. If not, pray to yourself. But I'd encourage you to get in little groups, two to six or so, and then really start to pray through these three phrases over the next five minutes. We're just going to take five minutes, okay? So turn to someone right now, and let's begin to pray in this way. I can't. I can't. What we mean by this is I'm powerless. In my own strength, I am not able to do, to build your kingdom, to make a difference, to do anything of what you want. I acknowledge I can't. Let's pray that. Take a few moments to pray. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.